Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Senio. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. Football.com and the DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. Scott Fishbowl, guys. It's here. It's finally here. That's Travis the Beard. Hey, guys. How do you tell the difference between a frog and a horny toad? How? A frog says, ribbit, ribbit, and a horny toad says, rub it, rub it. I am John Every Round QB <laughs> Hogue. And this is the Super Flex Super Show. No love for the rub it, rub it joke. Did I go too dirty? Is that what happened? Too dirty for a dad joke? Uh, uh, it just wasn't very good. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. James, I appreciate your criticism. I will, I will work to be better in the future. <laughs> all right. I appreciate that. Thank you, Travis. We have... The guest of all guests on the show this week to talk about super flex strategy, JJ Zacharyson from Number Fire at Late Round QB, Late Round QB podcast, and Living the Stream podcast. And he's going to talk with us about his article for Number Fire, how to dominate your fantasy football super flex leagues. So it's going to be a huge, huge treat for us to talk to him. But before he jumps in, let's start with. James, we've got a listener league uh, for the Superflex Super Show. That's right, John. We do. I, I we've had a lot of listeners ask us in the past about a listener league. Well, last week we announced that we are doing a listener league, and some of the details here. We're excited for it. Um, we've got a bunch of people already ready to sign up. Um, so basically, here's the listener league that we're providing for all of our listeners. We're we're really pumped about it. We are giving away an entry into the Scott Fishbowl Nine next year's Scott Fishbowl. This year, hey, the draft just started. We're recording on a Monday for the Scott Fishbowl 8. Uh, 900 participants, thousands uh, of, of, of people wanted in and, uh, and signed up. Uh, not everybody could get in. So when you're way in, uh, this, this Listener League is going to be set up just like the Scott Fishbowl 8. It's going to have the same roster requirements. It's going to have the same scoring setup. It's going to have everything is going to be just like it is in the Scott Fishbowl 8. And the lucky winner is going to get free entry into the Scott Fishbowl 9. Um, so that's that's the listener league that we kind of have going on here. Um, Travis, tell everyone how they can uh, how they can let us know if they're interested or how they can sign up for this. Yeah, so to, to get in and sign up, super easy. All you got to do is follow the show account on Twitter. It's at SuperFlexShow. DM that account. DM the pod account at SuperFlexShow. Let us know you're interested. And then third step is uh, we really like to to help out the Fantasy Cares uh, initiative here. So be prepared uh, if you're going to sign up to to make a donation to Fantasy Cares. Five dollar donation is our suggested donation, and yeah, we're excited. We've already got several 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 people signed up, and um, hoping to 
to make it even a little bit bigger. And on top of that $5 contribution, if you do choose to uh, to make one, every $5 contribution beyond that gets you a uh, one-round consultation with one of us during the draft. So uh, just, just one more way to help uh, raise some money for Fantasy Cares and get some more people in the next year's Scott Fishbowl. On to this week's unsurprising headline of the week. With Travis Beard Rasmussen. All right, guys. Mike Gillisley, you ready for this? I don't know. Yes, I, I if am. it's if it involves Mike Gillisley, I'm not sure that I'm ready. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm You're ready. On, I'm ready. <laughs> You're on the right track already. It's my guy here. Mike, I'm ready. Mike Gillisley reported to spring workouts at 216 pounds after playing last season at 212 pounds. That a boy. That is a freaking headline in the NFL in July. Dude <laughs> yeah. gained four freaking pounds. He ate a breakfast burrito. That's what happened. Come on now. <laughs> he, did, he hadn't taken his morning shit yet before he got on the scale. Ridiculous. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Those those beat writers have nothing but time. That's the kind of that's the kind of waste we're we're wading through at this point in the year. Guys, that extra four pounds is really going to serve him well. He he's going to be the lead back there now. I I'm, yeah, that, he's, that news puts it over the top for me. He, he needs that yeah. extra four pounds to keep the bench from floating away. Oh, oh, oh damn! How could that you? Was pretty, Mike Gillis, John Luke might have been like, the best a, joke you've told in in eighteen weeks, bro. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was right. that was better. That was better than any of Travis's dad jokes for sure. Oh, for I'll sure, for sure. <laughs> So I think actually I think JJ said JJ Zacharyson said that every four pounds a running back gains directly correlates um, with an R squared value of one point zero two touchdowns. Is that correct? Did I am I getting the stats thing right? I'm getting stats right, right? Uh, I've heard him say R squared before. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So stats stats. I got that. I got that. We're good. Yeah. Nice. Let's get to JJ. Speaking of the man, and we are joined on the Superflex Super Show now by I, this is I, I got to be honest here, guys. I'm a little bit starstruck, um, as you can tell as I fumble over my words. But we've got the editor in chief of Number Fire, the host of the Late Round QB podcast, the host of Living the Stream podcast. And uh, the author of the recent article, How to Dominate Your Superflex Draft, a man who needs no introduction, but I've already made it this far, so let's go ahead and do it at Late Round QB on Twitter, JJ Zacharyson. JJ, thanks so much for joining us, man. It's a, it's a huge honor to have you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. So, yeah, we got to get to this, this article. This is actually, you know what? Before that, I do want to ask you one quick thing, because today we're recording on day one of uh, Scott Fishbowl 8. The The draft just started today. Uh, so I first question for you has to be on this occasion, who, uh, where did you draft and who did you take? Yeah, so uh, I've only drafted quarterbacks. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I started... I started, I'm in the two spot. I started with Le'Veon Bell, uh, and, and we had nine guys pick in the first three minutes after 11 a.m. When, when things started, in the only legitimate time zone, the Eastern time zone. Um, and so the nine guys picked, 
in three minutes. And I'm getting really excited because this draft's going to go quick. It's going to be fun. And then we just hit a wall, and the dude didn't draft for eight hours. So he was replaced, but now we're cooking a little bit. So I got two more picks in. So I went Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Adams, Devontae Freeman. Oh, nice. What a sucker. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good start, really. Uh, <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the theory behind – like, what did you see in the settings that led you to going, you know, heavy running back early? Yeah, so I definitely didn't necessarily expect to get a wide receiver early. Uh, running back early was really, you know, if you look at PPR formats, one of the one of the quick and dirty ways that I, I looked at this was if you just look at PPR formats, and it's easy to obviously relate ADP uh, to whatever draft you're doing just because, you know, you do a lot of drafts and you just kind of know where, where guys are, are drafted. Um, but I looked at what the, the difference has been uh, with Scott Fishbowl settings uh, from the last, you know, basically since 2011. Um, and I just looked at the differences in scoring from each season, every player to what these settings would, would show. And, and basically the largest differences that we saw in, in a negative way, uh, were at wide receiver. That's, that's where things looked a little bit worse, uh, than at running back and running backs did score a ton of points. Um, and it's really just because of the first down, uh, points system. Um, so, you know, I think that you can consider, I, I, I would have gotten Gronk, let's say if, if he was there, just given, you know, I'm not, I'm not someone who drafts, uh, tight end and quarterbacks early very often. Uh, but given the scoring settings, given the fact that you get a full point for, for first down, um, and, and reception at the tight end position, it made a lot of sense to get a guy like Gronk. He wasn't there. Um, Julio Jones actually went one pick before I picked Devonte Adams. I really, I mean, if I got Julio there, it would have been awesome, but uh, I stuck with Adams. It was just the best player out of the running backs and wide receivers that were left. Um, and I just, I had no intentions of going with uh, a tight end like Zach Ertz or, or going with a quarterback. And that's where you ended up with uh, Devonta Freeman? Yeah, so I got Adams in the, in the late second and then Freeman then on the way back. Uh, I was I was hoping that he would still be there because I do have him still in a separate tier compared to the next one next guys you usually see drafted. So like a Jarek McKinnon, Joe Mixon in that tier, even LaShawn McCoy. Um, so I was I was happy I was able to get Freeman. I kind of took a risk getting Adams, but luckily the guy at the turn uh, didn't pick up Devontae Freeman. So you're pretty high on Freeman this year, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think that you have a situation, you know, I, I like to target players just, and this is this is really, uh, you know, the way that I work projections and the way that I view uh, players in the early rounds in fantasy football, I like to target players that are in good offenses. I mean, I like to do that throughout the draft, um, but I think it's important to just have that higher floor, that inherently higher floor uh, with guys who are in those good offenses. Um, and that's why, you know, obviously I have Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Adams, and, and Devontae Freeman, but with Freeman specifically, um, he's been consistent. Uh, I, I think that the Atlanta offense is set to rebound a bit. Um, they had a pretty low rate of scoring touchdowns given the amount of yards that they had per drive last year. I think the, the Falcons offense is going to rebound a bit. And I think Freeman's just naturally going to be a big part of that. Nice. All right. So I have to tell you, I also drafted at 1.02. And, uh, since we hadn't had this conversation yet, uh, I took Aaron Rodgers. And I have a feeling that by the end of this uh, this conversation, um, you're going to make me feel like complete crap about that. So let's get to it. <laughs> let, 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 let's let's make this a nice slow burn. In fact, so the article: How to dominate your superflex draft, and uh, this was an absolute masterpiece. Thank and you. <laughs> and uh, it, it starts with 
just the late round quarterback strategy, which mm-hmm. I think that everybody's probably pretty well versed in in it by this point. Um, whether they've you know whether they've heard it from from you and your your podcasts and your uh, various presences on uh, the the internet, but just in case uh, they they don't totally understand why it is they're doing something that just makes total sense. Let's start with that. Let's uh, if you could just lay out the late round QB strategy for us, and just for context, so that we can get into from there, turn it into a more of a super flex conversation. Yeah, and I think it's really important because you can take the concepts of the late round quarterback strategy in single quarterback leagues and easily see how it transforms then into super flex formats. So in the article that you're referencing, I kind of broke things down up into four buckets. Uh, as to what kind of uh, describes the late round quarterback strategy. And we have supply and demand, opportunity cost, predictability, and scoring variance. Supply and demand, really basic. I won't spend a lot of time on that. You know, you're starting one quarterback, you're starting multiple running backs and wide receivers. You need quarterbacks less than you need running backs and wide receivers. And that's why that's reflected that way in terms of average draft position. So the QB1 since 2011 has been drafted at the beginning of the second round on average. And and remember, this goes back to 2011. So, you know, back in 2011, 2012, 2013, quarterbacks were being drafted a lot earlier, and that's skewing that data a little bit. Um, But if you look at QB12, that's the last hypothetical starter in a 12-team league. He's usually drafted around pick 90. But if you look at RB24 and wide receiver 24, so these are uh, lower-end starters in your 12-team league, RB24 usually gets picked up at pick 70, so 20 picks before quarterback does, the quarterback 12 does, and wide receiver 24 will usually be picked up uh, at pick 58. So basically what you're looking at here is supply and demand in a nutshell, right? Uh, you don't need the quarterback position, and therefore they get, they get drafted later and later because people don't need it. They're not going to spend a lot on it. So that's what supply and demand essentially says, is that uh, you, know, you can get better cost at quarterback because you only need one of them. And then that, that relates directly to opportunity cost, which opportunity cost is essentially I'm making this decision and all of these other decisions that I'm not making because I made this decision, those other decisions or those other things that I forewent are, is the opportunity cost. Um, and so every time, you know, I always tell people when I'm drafting my fantasy teams, I'm not always just concerned about the player who I get. I'm just as concerned as the players who I don't get when I make a selection in a snake draft. So you know, I just talked about Devontae Adams and Scott Fishbowl and, and me getting him in the second round. Yes, I got Devontae Adams, but I also didn't get, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson was, was the next, next player taken. I didn't get A.J. Green. I didn't get those players who were the opportunity cost involved when I did get Devontae Adams. And so if you, look, if you think about opportunity cost in that sense, um, because quarterbacks are drafted so much later, the 12th quarterback, the lower-end starters are drafted so much later than the lower-end running backs and wide receivers— your opportunity cost when you get a quarterback early becomes a lot greater because you're foregoing the opportunity of having a higher wide receiver, a higher end running back. And that's very, very important um, because you're, you're essentially doing a giant cost evaluation when you're drafting. So that's what opportunity cost is all about. And then I dug into predictability a little bit. Predictability, you could really look at uh, in two different ways. You can look at it from a season-long level, and you can look at it from a weekly level. So on the season-long level, I think that there's this notion out there, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's this idea that quarterbacks are more predictable and that we know who the top quarterbacks are going to be every year, and that's a very attractive thing 
for early quarterback drafters. Uh, they know Aaron Rodgers is going to be good. Therefore, they're going to draft Aaron Rodgers. But what's really interesting is that the R squared value at almost any level. So you could look at, you know, quarterback zero to six versus quarterback or versus running back zero to 12 or quarterback zero to 12 and running back, well, you know, zero or one, I should say one to 24. Any of these levels, the R squared value of average draft position to fantasy points scored is basically identical across the board. It actually favors wide receivers if it favors any position, meaning the, on a yearly level, wide receiver is the most predictable of these these three main positions. I didn't really uh, look at the tight end position all that much just because we kind of know what the tight end position is all about. The other, the other way that we can think about predictability is how predictable is this weekly performance. So think about you're going into a given week. And you're saying, who can I play at wide receiver? Who can I play at quarterback? Who can I play at running back? The reason why quarterback streaming can be effective in single quarterback leagues is because, number one, supply and demand. So there's a lot of quarterbacks in, on the waiver wire. But number two, predictability. They're very predictable. We know which quarterbacks going into a given week are going to be throwing the ball 30-plus times in a game because every single starting quarterback essentially is throwing the ball 30-plus times in a game. Uh, so essentially what I did was I looked at what's called the coefficient of variation, um, and that's the standard deviation of a data set divided by that data set's mean. And it just looks at, so if you think of standard deviation, it's the spread of data in comparison. Uh, it's essentially just a spread of data. But when you compare it to the mean, you're comparing it to something that's, that's relevant to that data set. Um, quarterbacks, naturally, since they score the most points, they, they might have a larger standard deviation than, say, you know, a kicker or a tight end. But that doesn't mean that they're less predictable, per se, because their means are higher and they're, they're greater. That's, that causes that larger variance. And essentially what the coefficient of variation tells us is that, yes, quarterbacks are far more predictable than other positions in fantasy football. Um, there's, there's less variance whenever you're, whenever you're comparing their standard deviation to their mean. Um, and what's really interesting about this is, you know, it, it, I, I broke this up into groups of six. So I'm looking at um, last season, the QB1 to the QB6. So you're looking at Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, Tom Brady, so on. Um, versus the RB1 to the RB12, the wide receiver 1 to the wide receiver 12, and the tight end 1 to the tight end 6. So high-end tight ends, tight end 1s, high-end QB1s versus RB1s and wide receiver 1s. Quarterbacks are easily the most predictable of that group based on the coefficient of variation. Um, but if you dig deeper and you keep looking at these segments of six players within these positional groups, it's insane. Uh, you get these low-end QB2s. So you're looking at QB19 to QB24, those players are more predictable on a week-to-week -week basis, according to the coefficient of variation, than RB2s. So one of the examples I showed, Jacoby Brissett last season was a more predictable fantasy asset than Jordan Howard was. Um, and, and we're obviously Ooh. spending a lot on a player like Jordan Howard, and we spend uh, Jacoby Brissett's an afterthought in fantasy football. Um, but that's really what predictability kind of comes down to, and that's a really big reason why you can uh, stream the position. And then the last thing that I looked at is scoring variance. And I really just looked at uh, what I call usable and elite performances. So if a quarterback finishes in the top 12 in a given week, that's a usable performance. If he finishes in the top six, it's, a, it's an elite performance. And then obviously top 24 and top 12 for running backs and wide receivers. And what you find when you look at data over the last five years is that there's a lot more turnover at the quarterback position each week than what you see from running backs and wide receivers. In other words, elite running backs and elite wide receivers separate themselves a lot more at their positions on a week-to-week -week basis in terms of giving us these elite and usable performances than quarterbacks are. So all of that kind of putting that together, 
you have a replaceable position in quarterback, and then you also have a predictable position in quarterback. So not only can you get a quarterback late who you know will be usable in some way, but because of predictability, you could even stream the position and get away with it. So in 2017, we had some outlier seasons, Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, obviously, and then just kind of an overall down year for quarterbacks. Does that skew that data at all for predictability? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I've done the, this this uh, coefficient of variation research in the past as well, and and, and the same data has shown. Um, I didn't. I only included 2017 to kind of make it simplistic in the article itself. Um, but I podcasted last year, for instance, on the 2016 numbers, and the same type of uh, data showed. You know, it's 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 been a very consistent theme throughout fantasy football history, and I think that it's really logical. You know. If you think about what positions are going to be predictable on a week-to-week basis, um, and you just think about uh, what happens uh, through your own brain when you're thinking through uh, volume per position. You know, quarterbacks, like I said, every quarterback is going to throw the ball 30-plus times in the game. Then you think about running backs, and you say, well, I know who the bell cow backs are. I know they're going to get the ball 20-plus times. And then there's going to be some pass-catching backs, and there's going to be some uh, secondary backs, like a C.J. Anderson this season, who might get you know, five to 10 carries in a game. Uh, and then wide receivers are then are, are then reliant on what their quarterback does. They need those quarterback targets. So they have a lot, of, a little bit more volatility. And then tight ends, obviously, they're not even running routes all the time because they're, they're asked to block a lot, especially uh, in, in particular game script situations. So um, it really makes sense logically in the end that these elite running backs specifically, you know, they're not only giving you this edge in terms of how many fantasy points they're scoring, but they're also giving you this edge in that they're more predictable than the rest of their position by a very, very large deal. And that's why running backs are that valuable still in fantasy football. Now, if you, you know, the, the tough part is pinpointing who that running back is. I know that we're looking at hindsight here, um, but that obviously is a, a huge reason why uh, we consistently see these running backs drafted early in fantasy football is because they really are giving you the biggest edge in the game. Yeah, that was that that was totally going to be my next question actually. I mean, so clearly you're you're you like Le'Veon Bell this year. And which stands reason. I mean, he's had back-to-back top 3 seasons. Um he uh so I guess the question would be how how do you go about pinpointing those those running backs? I mean, like is a concept, you know, that the top 5 running backs have a you know, a, a greater value over replacement i know that you're not a huge fan of that particular data point but you know how do you how do you go about putting in a name and a face to those running backs and determining you know which ones are likely to fall into and also another question for you do you buy into the notion that you know that the running backs that their performance one year isn't necessarily repeatable to the to the following season. I don't know how much you've, you've kind of looked into that, but um, it, it sure seems like these running backs have a hard time for whatever reason, you know, whether it's injury or a a timeshare or Mm -hmm. suspension in some cases, they have a hard time getting back to that, you know, that, to that number that we're kind of hoping for. And it makes them, you know, predictable and gives them that value over replacement. So, you know, the RB1 has a high VORP, but, you know, does does that necessarily mean that Todd Gurley does? And how do you how do you navigate that? 
Right. So I think that in the, you know, whenever I did the yearly analysis comparing the ADP uh, versus the amount of points scored, that's, you know, that's, that's agnostic to uh, if they got injured um, or if they underperformed, you know, yada, yada, yada. It just is this guy was drafted first overall. Here's how many fantasy points he scored. And then you just create the trend line to see uh, the expected fantasy points by position at different ADPs. And what that showed is that it's true, you know, running backs, we're not great at, we're not, first off, we're not great at predicting any position. We're kind of bad at it. Um, but uh, at the same time, wide receivers are eas- more easily predictable on, the, on a yearly level um, than running backs are. And I think a lot of that does have to do with, number one, the replaceability of the position, um, because we know that backup running backs can thrive because the position um, it doesn't seem difficult for humans to play. <laughs> I don't, I, you know, I don't, there's just Your running backs everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, trust me, I am not, I am not playing running back in the NFL. There's just so many, so many guys that are playing running back and playing running back well, um, that it's, it's, a, it's a replaceable position. And that's another reason why the zero running back, uh, strategy came to fruition is because wide receivers are more predictable on a yearly level. Uh, so you're buying into that predictability um, and then on top of that, we know that, you know, when a wide receiver gets hurt, um, those targets aren't just going to another wide receiver. You know, if, if Marvin Jones gets hurt, sure. Kenny Galladay is probably going to benefit the most, uh, from that injury, but Marvin Jones's targets aren't just only going to Kenny Galladay. Um, but with running backs, we know that in a lot of instances, those touches can go to a backup running back. We usually don't predict who that backup running back is very well. But that that is usually what we'll we'll see happen, um, you know. In terms of of looking at <clears throat> who these running backs are going to be, um, you know, I think that you can. I'm a I'm a big fan of just running through projections, seeing how things look. Um, and, and you know, I, like you said, I'm not a big value over replacement player um, uh, fantasy owner. I don't really subscribe to the to the notion that you know one fantasy point output is all we should look at when we're analyzing a particular player um, because there's a lot of variance in fantasy football. But I do think that going through projections really opens your eyes um, to opportunity and what's really there and the kinds of ceilings and floors that that particular players have. You know, someone like Kenyon Drake, for instance, might look decent within a projection, but there's a lot of of ways that Kenyon Drake could completely flop. Um, And those are the instances where you have to look at at the, the range of outcomes and, 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 you know, that's another reason why I target someone like Devontae Freeman. Sure, Devontae Freeman uh, has concussion issues or he has injury issues, and, and maybe he could go down to injury and his season's over. And I'll, I'll, obviously, Tevin Coleman's there as well. Um, but we also have a, a better idea of what the, a player like Devontae Freeman's going to do, as opposed to someone like Jarek McKinnon, even. Um, you know, I like Jarek McKinnon, but I think that we have to be real and, and understand that what if Jarek McKinnon uh, isn't what we think that he might be? Um, that we're going to be, you know, we're going to be wrong in fantasy football. So let's play into that. And that's really what, uh, to me, drafting in the early rounds is about is playing it safe to a degree, but playing it safe to uh, getting positions that are important, um, but also understanding that you're throwing, you're, you're sort of throwing darts here. And when you can throw multiple darts at a position as opposed to one, you're increasing your probability of getting one of those elite running backs, because if you get one of those elite running backs, that can completely change your fortunes. So, hi, Travis here. I'm, I'm on, too. Uh, <laughs> it was about you guys need to go get a room or something. No. Um, 
<laughs> so let's let, I think that's a good spot to shift um, mindset a little bit into what we're all about is Superflex. Yeah. Um, and specifically, I think our first question we want to kind of jump into is we're we're mostly a dynasty fantasy football show mm-hmm. and specifically dynasty Superflex. Um, so as far as drafting, you know, the s- safe positions in the first round, I mean, that, I feel like that kind of speaks to to our approach in general, which is, I mean, we're all about taking QB in the first round of a dynasty startup. So um, in dynasty, does that change your strategy at all? Just considering the longevity of the position. And so you talked about, you know, one of your four buckets is predictability. And you talked about weekly and seasonal uh, predictability. But what about when you try to factor in career long predictability? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that it, it, that's, you know, if you look at it from a single quarterback league, I think we all all know why that can be overstated just because it's replaceable in some way. Um, what I've found in the Superflex Dynasty leagues that I do is that the only reason why I, I tend to overspend and I say overspend and I'm doing air quotes. Um, the, the, I, I, I do that mostly because I see quarterbacks as currency more than anything else. Um, not that I desperately need them, but the way that my league mates view them is a lot greater than how I view them. And I just understand that they're going to want them eventually. Um, the, the one thing that I'll say to looking at um, in Dynasty, looking at the long term, um, and this is just the way that I play and the way that I view things, I think so much can change uh, in, in even just a year that I generally am playing two to three years out at most. Um, and so when it comes to, am I choosing Aaron Rodgers or am I choosing Le'Veon Bell or am, am I choosing, you know, maybe Le'Veon Bell a couple of years ago is, is a better example. Even, um, I think in those instances, I'm still looking at, I'm going to get probable elite production at the running back position. That's still going to give me uh, a better edge than what a top quarterback can give me realistically, whether you look at it from a warp standpoint or whether you look at it from you know the, the things that I laid out in my Superflex article, therefore I'm going to get uh, Le'Veon Bell. And so that's kind of my approach with Dynasty and how I, how I look at things. It's just that I have a, a shorter term view than than other folks do. And I think that you know realistically, a lot of people uh, view it the same way. And it's, I don't think that I think in Dynasty there's a lot more room for discussion as to what the optimal strategy is. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that my strategy is is the only strategy to go with. Um, but that's just, sure. that's just, you know, that's just the way that um, I've approached it just given uh, some of the research that I've done. So this might sound like a stupid question, but do you think there's any value in the, just the not having to worry about it factor? Not, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, if we're, if we're talking Aaron Rodgers versus let's say, I mean, your opportunity cost uh, of not taking a quarterback in the first three rounds of a dynasty startup is all of those quarterbacks yep. who essentially, I mean, they're going higher because they're more talented and because they have more solidified situations. So, I mean, if, if you're going with, let's say you, and let's say you exit a startup with, um, you know, Blake Bortles, Case Keenum, and Tyrod Taylor, like, sure, you might be okay for this year mm-hmm. and maybe next year. And so I think for me, it's a lot of it is not having to chase 
the quarterback position in rookie drafts. So when you lock up a couple, you know, two, two or three solid, decent starters in the NFL, you which at least players you at least know are going to have a job for four to five years. And, and then you don't have to, I mean, cause if you, in my experience, you go into a season where you're needing to reach on and, or chase the quarterback position in a rookie draft. I mean, you're going to be chasing that you're continually. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Cause I've been in that position before, you know, last season I had a dynasty team that had Carson Palmer and Ryan Tannehill and everything died. It was just oh, awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like I started, I mean, luckily I picked up case Keenum and I, I lucked into that one that now he's a starter. Um, and I had to make some trades and I had to get Lamar Jackson in the, in the rookie draft. And so like, I get it. Like I get that perspective. I think the one thing, so in that particular league, I uh, made a mistake by by waiting a, a round or two too late to get uh, particular quarterbacks. Um, but in most dynasty leagues, I think you can approach it, the way that I approach it is two ways. One way, I'll get a fairly solid starter, like a Matt Ryan type, and then my QB2 will be sort of that like that that year-to-year, you know, playing uh, a little bit risky um, situation. Or I, I think that oftentimes we can overstate again, the longevity of, of, of these quarterback situations in terms of like, like Aaron Rodgers having this significant edge of, uh, longevity compared to like Andy Dalton. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Matthew Stafford is a good, I mean, Matthew Stafford's going to be around a while. Uh, there, there are a lot of quarterbacks when you look across the league that have been starters in the league for a really long time. And then all the while there are quarterbacks that will pop up, whether it is through a rookie draft or whether it is, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo situation that you have to try to predict and get lucky. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you have a solid base, like if you have a Stafford and Dalton and maybe like a, a random QB three that you can plug in there when either Stafford or Dalton have bad matchups, um, Dalton more specifically because it's Andy Dalton, um, you can, you know, to me, you can get away with that a little bit more uh, just because you know that those guys are gonna, going to still have their jobs. Or, you know, obviously we're talking about Andy Dalton now or you know, who knows what happens after this year. Um, but at least those guys, you do have the longevity factor still. Um, you're not going to get Aaron Rodgers type product, pr- uh, production, but you at least do have that long that long career ahead for those players. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, interesting. James, JJ. yeah, I was just going to kick it to you, dude. You haven't gotten to talk in a while. Yeah, I just figured out how my uh, how my mic works. So uh, <laughs> JJ James here. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you right quick I, for, for one of and you kind of uh, went into the four buckets and one of them was supply and demand. And I was wondering if you could kind of give us a brief overview on how supply and demand might change your draft strategy and Superflex, specifically um, with streaming options, maybe not being available uh, via the waiver yeah. wire. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you look, I have uh two QB data that I got from, uh, from Sal over on two QBs.com that I, that I utilized in the article. And naturally, you know, I already talked about supply and demand earlier with supply and demand in the two quarterback league or a super flex league. I mean, they're more or less the same in terms of ADP. Um, but with, with this ADP data, you're seeing the QB 12 be drafted about 45 spots higher than what you see in a single quarterback league. Um, and then naturally, you know, running backs and wide receivers, They'll, they'll be drafted, let's say, you know, two to eight spots uh, lower than what they're drafted in a single quarterback league just because quarterbacks are kind of leapfrogging them. But yeah, so like the, the demand equation changes 
um, because more people need these quarterbacks and therefore the ADP changes. Um, and so the, the supply and demand formula is completely different. Um, and like you said, as a result of that, the supply of quarterbacks dries up. There's no, there's no waiver wire, especially in a dynasty, a super flex dynasty league. You're not going to find guys other than maybe, you know, maybe you luck into a case Keenum on the waiver wire. So you can't really effectively stream. You can't really stream in dynasty in general. Um, but let alone the super flex dynasty league, it's a very difficult thing to do. So all of that changes and what you really need to do. And this kind of just goes into this, into what I wrote about in the super flex article itself and the super flex strategy article. Um, you know, I plotted again, positional ADP versus um, uh, PPR scoring at running back, wide receiver and quarterback. And what I found is the trend lines, when you just look at uh, the, the top 12 quarterbacks, the top 24, or sorry, the top 24 quarterbacks, the top 24 running backs and the top 24 wide receivers, the trend lines were almost identical. Meaning as you move down your ADP list, your, your, your slope is essentially the same or what you're losing with every ADP spot is not that different across an entire season. So then you have to ask yourself, okay, what's the, what's the difference or what am I gaining and what's the edge that I can get at each of these positions? And to me, it's predictability. It's that predictability aspect that we were talking about earlier where we know which quarterbacks in a draft are going to be starters in the league going into that draft. So if you, if you enter your draft, so we're doing the Scott Fishbowl right now, um, we know which quarterbacks entering a season are going to have a starting gig throughout the entire season. We know quarterbacks don't get hurt at as high, I mean, 2017 aside, but we know quarterbacks don't get hurt at as high of a rate as running backs and wide receivers do. Therefore, when we're in round five, round six, round seven, you know, round eight, when Eli Manning is there, we can feel confident that we know that Eli Manning is going to give us some sort of fantasy production throughout the season. We know that Eli Manning is probably not going to lose his job. Now he's probably going to lose his job because I just mentioned it on this podcast. But, you know, we so you have these situations where these quarterbacks, these later round quarterbacks, they're bad. Ryan Tannehill's bad. Andy Dalton's bad. Uh, but at the same time, we know that they have predictable production. And we know that since they're predictable on a weekly basis, you can sort of platoon the position. And this is what goes to your to your streaming question. Instead of streaming, you can think of it as platooning. You know, you get three to four mediocre quarterbacks. I'm talking about guys who... Uh, may not give you great point-per-game production, but at the same time, you know that they're locked into a starting gig more than likely throughout the season. Um, and, and you can get them later in your drafts. You don't have that luxury at, at running back, definitely, um, unless an injury happens, then you're fighting over, uh, over a certain player on the waiver wire. Um, wide receiver, it gets sketchy too. Um, but that's really the, the core reason, is that you know the edge that you're, ga- that you're gaining uh, it's really tough to see it from a value over replacement player standpoint um, in in these two quarterback leagues, but and it does slightly favor quarterback for what it's worth. But what's really where the the edge really comes is is via um, this predictability piece, and I think that's one of the biggest things that's overlooked in the fantasy football community. Okay, really cool, I, JJ. One more follow up question to that: um, if you're doing that, if if that changes your strategy to where you're adding. Um, maybe more depth at quarterback for later options um, that uh, that you, you think, you know, you kind of feel that uh, feel good about as a group. Does that take away from being able to um, have multiple lottery tickets at running back? Um, as you kind of stated earlier, not knowing, um, you know, the predictability for running back kind of being such a, having such high variance 
Um, does it does it change on how many running backs that you would take in a draft, um, or do you draft them later, or or is the uh, the opportunity cost just a little bit greater at that running back position if you're gonna if you're gonna approach the quarterback position that way? Yeah, so that's a that's a great question. Um, the the one thing I'll say is that if you were to plot again ADP versus PPR points scored or points scored or whatever. Um, you'll notice a, a, a pretty drastic curve at the start, or a pretty steep drop, let's say, at the start of that curve uh, in those first couple rounds. In other words, there's a there's a, a once you get to the fourth, the fifth, the sixth round at running back and wide receiver, both things start to level out a bit. Which means the difference between you know, if you were to look at the a sixth round running back or a sixth round wide receiver and compare them to an eighth round running back or an eighth round wide receiver, the difference is two rounds, right? Uh, but if you look at a first round running back compared to a third round running back, the difference is also two rounds, but the point differences are massively larger than what you would see from the sixth round to an eighth round. Um, and so the, the big point to make here is that once you hit the sixth, seventh round, the difference between that and a ninth and 10th rounder is not that significant. Meanwhile, in those rounds, you're still getting usable pieces at quarterback that are predictable because you know that they're starting and you know that they're going to have a job throughout the year. And then you can also predict them from week on a week to week basis and essentially stream via the, the, the cohort that you put together on your team. That kind of leads into another question I had for you, JJ, um, without giving up too much, giving away too much of the article, because we definitely want people to go check it out. Um, but in, in an ideal situation in a super flex league, you personally would prefer to wait and draft three quarterbacks from that kind of 16 to 24 range. Is that, is that basically what you're looking to do? Yeah, I think that that's probably the, the ideal way to look at it. And, you know, the other thing too, is that each year it seems like we're getting more and more court usable quarterbacks added to this quarterback pool. Um, but the reason that I do that is what I just talked about, obviously. And then all, all the while in those earlier rounds, I know that that I'm not going to necessarily hit on some of those running backs and wide receivers. But again, I'm just trying to increase my probability of hitting by throwing multiple darts instead of just one or two at those positions. And so that compared to Dynasty, is that I mean, is that straight across the same or are you looking to get maybe a top one top 10 guy or does that change at all? Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think think that in Dynasty, you have to pay more attention to uh, number one contract situations and such, and just making sure that the quarterback that you're drafting isn't just going to have his job this year, but multiple years, right? So, um, you know, going into last season, having a player like Blake Bortles was a little bit risky. Uh, But in a a regular redraft super flex league, it was less risky um, after they named him starter in week one. Um, but it, it was, it was a little bit, Man, a little, I'll tell you what, I was all, um, touching I was go all for a while that Chad Henney. Yeah, I was, I, mean, yeah. I was picking up Chad Henney ever. I mean, you guys know my quarterback strategy. I had Chad Henney on every <laughs> dynasty roster. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you have to, you have to look at it from that perspective. Like I, I always go back to Andy Dalton as like the perfect example. Like he has his job every year. Andy Dalton has shown that he actually can have a decent ceiling in fantasy football. He's been a top five quarterback in the past. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm expecting Andy Dalton to be a top 10 guy, but what I'm saying is I'm going to play the quarterback position by matchup. I'm not going to have as, go- as good of a quarterback situation as someone with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. It's just not going to happen. But I'm winning at running back and wide receiver, and I'm going in with the assumption that no team in that league is going to have a completely perfect roster uh, because it just doesn't happen in fantasy football. 
Um, so I'm trying to pick and choose my battles as to where I can win. And, and just given the data and given the research that I've done, um, it's easiest to Frankenstein the quarterback position than it is the other positions. Travis, do you have, uh, do you have a one last question here for JJ? Yeah, but I was going to let John go because now I feel bad because he hasn't talked in a little while. Yeah, man, I got I got sent to the corner for a while there for asking too many, too <laughs> take, many questions. John, come out, take your dunce cap off, and present to the class your final question. Oh, sir. you're letting me take off the dunce cap for once? That's perfect. Uh, this Yeah, it feels like a holiday. Um, yeah, I do have one last question for you, JJ, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll start to wrap it up here and let you get going, but... Um, the predictability one is the most, the most interesting of the, of the four buckets. I mean, you know, the, these are all very useful. The predictability one though, is it, to me, it feels like it's open to interpretation and I could be wrong there, but what makes it interesting is it, it seems like it could go either way. You know, you can certainly mitigate risk with a more predictable running back, without sacrificing predictability at the quarterback position. But on the other hand, the running back position as a whole is volatile and unpredictable. And, I mean, it sounds like the way it, kind of your approach is to just get as many running backs as possible. So I guess my my question there would be, you know, at, w- at what point would you favor the predictability of the quarterback and then take your shots with the with running backs later on, you know, is, is there to you, is there, is there value in, you know, approaching it from that, from that angle instead and kind of going for, you know, or with my early pick, say 1.02 in the Scott fishbowl, go ahead and take Aaron Rodgers because he is predictable. And then, and then take your shots at running back a little later with guys who are going to be, you know, who, who, really have just as much of a shot at running back one production just the just the chance that maybe you find Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt or even you know last year Todd Gurley was going in the second and third round in Superflex leagues you know you you can find that guy it seems like you can find that guy outside of the first round just as easily so mm-hmm. it, to you would there be any value in in taking that approach so I think with with Scott Fishbowl in particular, I can I can understand why people are getting someone like Aaron Rodgers early, uh, just given the scoring for what it's worth. Um, I would nice. say though, I, I think that the 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 best way to think of the predictability piece is similar to uh, look. I hate VBD and value over replacement player, but really that same mindset. So the way that we think about value over replacement player is you have this this one player and you compare him to the rest of his position. And you see how much better, from a fantasy point scored perspective, this guy is better than, than the rest of his position. But you can do the exact same thing from a predictability standpoint. So what, what this is saying is elite running backs, top running backs, have this insane predictability edge compared to those other running backs uh, that, that we've mentioned, right? Uh, whether that's Kenyon Drake. And then, and then that goes into, into a weekly le- onto the weekly level as well. It's not just from the the seasonal level, but it's the weekly level. It's more important from the weekly level. Um, and so that's, that to me is why, you know, like I said, if the, if the VBD formula tells you get Aaron Rodgers, but let's say, let's say that you went and you got Aaron Rodgers 
and you did it based on value of a replacement player, which is totally understandable. I, you know, I crap on VBD all the time, but it's still like the, the basis of everything that we do in fantasy football. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's still a very valid thing to do. Um, so let's say that VBD tells you that you should get Aaron Rodgers because at that point, him versus his replacement level player is the greatest compared to any other player that you have. Um, and, and so in getting Aaron Rodgers, um, that's, that's essentially what, you know, that, that's what your, your VBD formula is telling you to do. Um, but it's, you know, that edge might be 10 points over Le'Veon Bell, let's say, you know, let's, let's say that it's not the most significant thing in the world. If it's a massively, you know, if you have Aaron Rodgers from a VBD standpoint, 150 points better than any other player, then yes, get Aaron Rodgers. Um, but it's probably not going to be all that significant. Um, and so the reason I look at predictability then is because if that point difference is not that significant, and we know there's some variance to projections, um, then it makes sense to look at these these other aspects that go into how we play fantasy football and and see where we can gain these edges. And one of those one of those pieces, to me, arguably the biggest piece is predictability. Um, I think it's something that's just like I said earlier. It's just one of the most massively overlooked things in the fantasy industry. And I think the the main reason for that is because we always do analysis, and I'm guilty of it. You guys are probably guilty of it. We, we, do, we do analysis in hindsight, right? Yeah. Like we're looking at how guys performed, not how we predicted these guys to perform. So, uh, you know, there was a, a great article on Number Fire recently um, by Justin Freeman, who's a newer writer at Number Fire. He's actually on my podcast that's dropping tomorrow. Um, but Justin Freeman on this show, uh, he, he wrote an article last week on Number Fire, two weeks ago on Number Fire, that, that looked at this this very issue uh, of positional basically looking at, at, at how predictable each position is. And he looked at fantasy pro rankings to see uh, over the last three seasons, how uh, rankers have been ranking players. And, and so a good example, the, the example that he showed or that he shared was remember when Mercedes Lewis went nuts over in London, like he just had that bonkers game against Baltimore <laughs> last year. Yeah. Like no one, no one actually thought Mercedes Lewis was a good play that week. I think, I think like Warren Sharp did, but Warren Sharp is a, is a monster. I mean, he's crazy. Uh, but he, but, <laughs> yeah. but Mercedes Lewis goes off for three touchdowns. He was tight end 48 or something like that going into that given week. Um, so he's, he's not, it wasn't a predictable performance. Um, but if you look at the quarterback position, so running back position, for instance, you get this crazy, crazy edge of the players who are consistently predicted in the top 12 each week quarterback. There's just this massive turnover each week. And the reason for that is because we know going into a week who these quarterbacks are going to be. And we know that Andy Dalton ranked at QB 25 in a given week can easily be a top five quarterback just because we know that he's going to be playing and he's going to be playing a lot. So to me, you know, to, uh, you know, to answer your question a lot shorter and more concisely because I'm rambling right now. Um, to me, the you know, if you're looking at Aaron Rodgers versus Le'Veon Bell, and you're looking at a value of a replacement level formula, that's fine. But if that point differential is not that significant, start to look at other reasons as to why this player at this position is important. And I think one of those reasons should absolutely be predictability. Okay, so with some some very selective hearing and uh, a significant amount of editing there. Uh, what I can glean from that is that I absolutely made the right pick with Aaron Rodgers in, my, <laughs> in the mind of the late round QB, JJ Zacharyson. It's going to take a lot of editing. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm not gonna edit that down. There's not a chance. Um, I'll just take my lumps. I mean, Twitter likes to come after me for my QB love, anyways. So, uh, so let's you know now you now you've got JJ behind you, and uh, and that's totally fine. But I, I do I do want to say too that with all of this stuff and and with looking at strategy like this, mm-hmm. this is all a probability driven game. Right. Um, right. And me saying I like, you know, the data that in the research that I've done says draft your quarterbacks later than normal and yours says drafted earlier than normal. You know, it, it might be the difference between me thinking that I have this this like three percent greater edge than you do. You know, mm-hmm. so so in the end, I'm not going to be shocked. Basically, what I'm saying here is I'm not going to be shocked if you win SFB with Aaron Rodgers as your one oh two. Yeah, totally. Oh, snap. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and I wouldn't be shocked at all if if you won it with Le'Veon Bell. You know, it's to me, it's a, it's just a matter of being able to find those those running backs, being able to navigate that, because to me, it's a cesspool. I can't stand running backs, and and it's because they're so volatile, week to week, year to year. You just it, it feels like you never know what you're gonna get, but. You know, if if you've got a process and, you know, that's 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 what late round QB is all about. Right. Is determining the process to make these decisions with the information that you have available to you. And and I mean, you're you're the best in the business at that. And you've got a process that led you to Le'Veon Bell. So, you know, I I do have a little bit of buyer's remorse on Aaron Rodgers based (laughs) on that. But I'm. I'm definitely for sure editing that part out of the podcast. <laughs> oh, he will. He will. <laughs> yeah. So let's get let's give the listeners what they want, JJ. One word answer. When's the earliest you're taking a quarterback in a super flex league? Um I'll say round four ish. Okay. All right. I was hoping for round three, but I'll take I'll take it. Yeah, that's not bad at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not crazy. And the other thing too that we didn't necessarily talk about all that much is that when you're when you are playing or you know, you are planning on drafting quarterbacks later, it's not a game of chicken number 1. You know, it's it's a value game. There you're trying to extract as much value as possible. But you also have to adjust to what your league mates are doing because we know that super flex leagues in particular can can vary drastically from league to league. So oh, yeah. it's it's something where you you know, don't just sit back and be like, "Oh, you know, he said to get a quarterback in the sixth round, but if, if 30 quarterbacks are gone in the first four rounds, then, I mean, you still have to be reactive to it. Yeah, we've had, I mean, even in Scott Fishbowl so far, John took him at, John took Rodgers at 102, and I there was one league I saw where he went at 208. And Wow. Yeah, and so, I mean, there's, you know, some leagues where only one quarterback's going the first round, and there's somewhere there's six. or right. pro- I probably lied there. It's probably four or five, but... Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely league to league. So let me ask you then, quick sidebar question: If you see, let's say you see you're you're going late round quarterback in a super flex, and you see a run happen in front of you before it gets to you, are you reacting in a way that says I need to grab one of these guys because they're going off the board, or are you reacting in a way that says all of these guys have gone and that pushes value down to me, so I'm going to push the envelope even further? Yeah, I think you have to try to read the room a bit because you have to try to so, – this this actually goes back to like the classic uh, single quarterback, late-round late, late round quarterback strategy before you know we, we had uh, this unanimous way of drafting slash we had this player pool the way that it is. Um, you know, when there was a quarterback run, 
you had you you have to still be fearful, and this also is is relevant to, to superflex leagues. You have to be fearful of the craziness of the league owners, in that they they might still draft quarterbacks. You know that that you might see a quarterback run in round two, let's say. Um, but you shouldn't just assume that there won't be another quarterback run in round three. So if you're at the two three turn, um, and you know that there's the possibility that your your league mates who already have two quarterbacks still might get another quarterback, uh, you got to play into that a little bit. So it is a little bit of a psychological game, I think. Um, but generally speaking, I try my best not to buy into runs only because that, that naturally will devalue that player. Awesome. So we got to ask one food slash not food question, JJ, since <laughs> not, we all not know. Food. Not we not all, food. We, hey, let, <laughs> let's leave that up to the, the guest here. Um, since we all know that's why the people listen to JJ anyways is for his food takes. Yeah. Um, what is your take on women consuming their plus their own placentas after giving birth? Um, and I, that's just that's just a no, a no for me. Thank you. Also, how many times <laughs> have you been asked that question on a podcast? That's that's the the big question here. That's the first time I've ever gotten that question asked in my to me in my life. <laughs> JJ, JJ, hit me up in in my DMs, dude. I'll give you some truth to to what's going on in the world. Um, also, <laughs> big placenta's coming for you. Big placenta. <laughs> big placenta. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. On that note, <laughs> we'll let you uh, get off to bed and have uh, sweet dreams about um, about yeah encapsulating placentas and. Uh... <laughs> but JJ, we really appreciate the time, man. Is this this was uh, this was a great conversation, and it's also an awesome article, um, and you can tell that a lot of work went into it, and everybody should check it out over at Number Fire. It's called How to Dominate Your Fantasy Football Superflex Leagues. I kept saying Superflex Draft. I apologize for getting that wrong. It's How to Dominate Your su- Your Fantasy Football Superflex Leagues. And if you haven't read it, give it a listen. And uh, you, you also, you, sh- you really should be listening. you going to have somebody read it to you? What's that? You said if you haven't read it, give it a listen. You're going to oh. have someone read it to you? Oh my you bad. Could. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I did, good, I yeah. did do the pod, I did do the Superflex podcast about it too. So yeah, that's right. yeah. JJ so, yeah, already read it to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> he he doesn't even know how many times he's read that to me. That's how many times it took <laughs> for that for all that information to saturate my little pea brain. I had to listen to it about ten times, but it hey, is that's good for the download numbers, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah so i'll this time i'll let you uh tell everybody where to find you so that you can kind of uh, prioritize it a little bit for everybody yeah um on twitter at late round qb i send really bad tweets all the time uh <laughs> i have a podcast uh the late round podcast is is kind of my baby and then i have living the stream which is the opposite of my baby um <laughs> with 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 denny carter um we'll be we'll be ramping that one up uh, here pretty soon with the season fast approaching. Um, then all my work is over on numberfire.com. Nice. So living the so, stream is that that's going to be on uh, Patreon. So no, we'll do we'll do our our regular episodes as we usually do um, throughout the off season. We've just kind of thrown some stuff on on Patreon. Uh, Denny specifically has has thrown some insanely hilarious stuff on there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you know most of the time like, if you start to know someone and you become friends with someone and and you know you're podcasting with them all the time. You would think that they would get like their humor would just get a little bit 
to uh, get used to it and you wouldn't laugh anymore. The, the kind of stuff that they say, I, <laughs> I I'm telling you guys right now, Denny Carter is the funniest human being you could possibly do a <laughs> podcast with. I love that guy. So he's yeah. done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of stuff over on Patreon. And then, uh, I, I would say honestly, in the next couple of weeks, we're probably going to start doing it weekly, um, for living the stream. And then obviously once the season starts, uh, we'll be given our streaming recommendations each week based on opposition matchups. JJ has, has Denny been informed yet that he is the opposite of your baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is not. Uh, that phrase, I'm, I'm, un- I'm unsure why I, I said that. But um, if you can picture the opposite of my baby, it would be Denny. <laughs> he, he is an aging man, and your baby is a, a newly coming okay. into the world girl. So logically, it makes sense. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, JJ, thanks again, and congratulations on all your success. Uh, it, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. So, um, just just love seeing everything that you're putting out right now, and you're making it so so easy, so manageable. You're actually giving people action items on every single episode of Late Round QB, which is one of the most difficult things to do in fantasy football. So, the fact that you've you've got that dialed in, uh, we we. We all are uh, indebted to you, and uh, thanks again for coming on the show, man. Really appreciate it. No, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thanks. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for the week and ask you for the same quick favor that we ask for every every week. First of all, if you would subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and on iTunes specifically, please rate and review the podcast. It helps us to improve our content and our reach so we can involve more people in the conversation and touch on more topics that are meaningful to you, the listener. And in the vein of listener interaction, send us your trades on Twitter to at SuperFlexShow, and we can retweet them. We can help get you more comments, more votes, and sometimes we even analyze them right here on the podcast. So send them to us at SuperFlexShow. You never know when it's going to appear here on the podcast. In the meantime, definitely follow the show at Superflex Show. And you can also follow Travis on Twitter at TravisNFL. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I am at Superflex Dude. Thank you again to JJ Zacharyson at Late Round QB, editor in chief of Number Fire and host of the Late Round QB podcast and Living the Stream. Definitely check out all his work. He's he. You probably already are. He's the best in the business. But just in case you're not, go follow him and keep up with all of his work. Thank you as well to the entire DLF family of podcasts for all the support and all the love. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Travis, are you going to ask any placenta-related questions? That could that could throw throw a guest off, you know. Maybe we should <laughs> let him know ahead of time. <laughs> I'm ready for those, man. Oh man, let's look at that. Have you thought about that? What am I talking that? about? The consummate pro. No, I actually haven't. Yeah, you've you've got that decision coming up. How, I know. How involved do you want to be in the consumption of the? Yeah. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Yeah, <laughs> I think the answer is going to be not very. You're ruining. You're ruining <laughs> yeah. my interview question that I have written down here. Stop it. Try some placenta sometime. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, I'm actually planning on uh, eating eating uh, placenta for dinner in August <laughs> after the baby comes. For, for for clarity, the husband does not eat it. Neither right, does the right, wife. Right, right, but I'm I'm gonna I was thinking about the <laughs> just, just, just to feel the bond. And now the